हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशन विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब टुडे आई हैव विद मी सोमनाथ उगनैन Somnadi is an experienced human resources professional and dedicated art enthusiast and is the director of Gurukul Studios. She spearheads all the projects at Gurukul. She brings to the table a strong corporate and business experience of aviation industry with companies like Cathay Pacific and Emirates. At Gurukul, she has established distinct methodologies and fair business practices with a vision to be a culturally rooted yet progressive dance organization. It is one of the leading Indian classical dance academies in the Middle East, with branches in India and Switzerland. She has made path-breaking forays into the Dubai Acad- academia and taken Gurukul art outreach programs to several academic and art forums. Gurukul Dubai was established by Pali Chandra Ji and Somnadi in 2007. She provides quality and classical dance education to more than 350 students in Dubai and has started operations in Zurich and Bangalore, India. Somnadi is a people's person at heart, a mentor and executive decision maker. She has worked hard to make Gurukul a well-recognized center for ISTD education and a place for dance lovers to connect with. She must confess that she could not have done this without the artistic guidance of Ali Chandraji and her proactive and committed facilitators and admin teams. Somnadi, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much, Pramit. Yeah. And thank you for having me on board. For sure, and at this point, I would like to thank. Let's see. I'd like to thank Swarashri. I would like to thank Mathli. I would like to thank Bindya and Baliji. Like to for connecting me to you. Uh, this is yeah. I've been very excited to talk to you, for sure, Somnadi. I guess, and just to start off with, uh, what does like when we since you are in dance education, what does that mean for you? See, dance education is something that is age old. It started. thousands of years ago with bharat muni putting together the natya shastra so it's nothing new to indian dance and culture as such but in the last few um uh, at least decades of what i have seen it was not as structured as matrixed as um uh, easy to follow yet having a rule and discipline in life so i find that dance education had to be a little bit more um concrete if there's a better way yes you could learn dance but you did not know where it was going necessarily so i found that dance education is something that we could all spend a little bit more time on and get it back to what it used to be and so that's that's where i think i think uh, dance is something that should be followed as not necessarily a hobby but something as a career and for that it needs to have a better structure than what we had understood and just so you understand like the breadth of it so when you're talking about dance as a career one would think that one way is a performer but what are the other avenues available to people today in terms of dance as a career most people think that you when you say dance it means performance and uh, yes you could be a performer whether it's a solo performer group performer But there's so much more to dance. There's so much more to dance. There is there is this huge administrative part of it. There is the marketing part of it. There is the stage and light part of it. There's a, a costumes part of it. There is so much more that can be done with dance today, especially given that we have so many avenues today, and um, so many universities that are handling each of these so beautifully. Institutions hmm. that are specializing in this. So if you bring all of that together, you look at it dance in a much more holistic way than just as a performer. Performer is definitely the most important. The star is the performer. Mm-hmm. But to get the star on board, you have so many more um, avenues. And if we can't necessarily be a performer or don't want to be a performer, there is so much more that you can do with it. So yeah, that has made a career out of it uh, for so many people, including myself. And so when you talk about like. the careers that say support the performer or kind of associated with performances or around dance i guess one thing i wanted to know is that do you think it's necessary for someone to spend a certain amount of time doing the dance themselves i understand it's always better to but what do you think about that is that something someone has to do in the first place to build a career in it what do you think see understanding it is not necessarily comes with doing it because it's not easy to do to start mm-hmm. with i mean performers put in years and years of practice and dedication to it so we can't say that you know we can all learn the dance and then necessarily do something about it we can try and be we can try and understand it from various other perspectives you know as an audience 
or as um, a student of dance education or as a choreography assistant or as someone behind the cameras, we can always learn how to capture that dance and make it more sort of uplifted. But no, you don't necessarily need to have dance as a, as a, as a performer to be able to do something about it. Like talking about doing something about it, I, I think from the later stage career point, you can always, I think the, the most obvious thing that comes to my mind is like, you do your bachelor's in something, you do your master's in say performing arts, and then you go towards that. But say if you're in high school or something like that, and you want to pursue dance as a career, what, what do they do? Or what do you start off with? What, what would be a good starting point for someone? I guess. Um, a starting point would be, of course, a very keen interest mm -hmm. and a lot of commitment. Mm. Once you have these two things, you can actually decide whether you, because it's not easy. Mm. You know, for someone coming from more academic backgrounds, it's sometimes easier from, to switch from one to the other. Mm. But if you want to be a dancer, there's so much more to it. There, there is a fitness level. There is the artistic level, which you need to tap into by not just learning it, but also watching a lot of other things and reading a lot about it. And of course, there is a learning part of it from an instructor or a group of instructors mm -hmm. to be able to do something about it. So this whole career of a dancer starts much before, much before they have actually started performing. So mm -hmm. for that, obviously, like I said, dance fitness level, having okay. a person to teach you, mm -hmm. having the right place, or an institution to do it. Okay. And of course, someone taking the direction onward for you. Hmm. Understood. So you start with the commitment and interest level, then you find someone. And this is something I'm, I have a personal curiosity about. And I like to ask this because like, I always wonder about this. So say, in a, in a more traditional, so-called traditional field, like say a lawyer and engineer, I can tell you that you can be like an average or a mediocre lawyer or engineer, and you can still make bank in the sense that you don't have to be the best at it. So when it comes to dance education, do you really, do you have to be like the cream of the crop to make a living out of it? Or you, can you be like somewhat competent and still make it? What do you think? Like, that's just something I've always wondered about. See, uh, yes, of course, it's, it's good if you're very, very good at it. And when you say best, there is no one who is best. There's always mm -hmm. someone who's going to be better than you. Let's say, for example, Kathak, mm -hmm. someone will be better than you in footwork. Someone mm -hmm. might be better than you in uh, the way they hold themselves. Just the way they hold them. Some might be, have very good expressions. Mm -hmm. So to say that you are the best would be a very uh, difficult thing to achieve. Having said that, yes, people who are good at it and can engage an audience more than others, let's say, for example. Yes. Um, they are very good. They're very lucky to have that. But there are lots of people who may not have that, but can still make a very good career out of it. And I'm the best example of it. Mm. <laughs> I was my sister's sister uh -huh. all the time, all, 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 all my life. You know, I mean, I learned with her. I was good at it, but I was never go as good as her. And I knew that. Mm. But that did not mean that. And I came back to it at the age of 35 years. Okay. And today at the age of 52, I feel like, my God, why didn't I do it earlier? I could have done it even more. Having said that, I'm not second guessing myself mm. i'm happy with the way things are so no you don't have to be best but you should be happy doing it and yes you should definitely definitely commit to it you need a lot of commitment when it comes to dance mm. there'll be lots of difficulties coming your way hurdles are like endless so yeah okay and you i guess Somnadi, i'm just curious if you're, if you're comfortable answering like what made you want to come back to dance when you did come back to it um i was 35 and i moved from canada to um uae Dubai. Uh -huh. My sister was living there and she had a company set up with um, a friend of hers and they were doing very well. And they just needed me once in a while over the weekend to help out. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, enjoying it quite a bit. I would go with them. I would try to, you know, kind of help out with the kids. And sometimes during their projects and all, if it was a workshop or an event happening, I would kind of help out. Then in 2006, her uh, partner had to move on because she had some other commitments which she had to, had to um, take on. Right. And she was looking for a partner and investor. And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, I'll come on board, but I may not be able to give you as much time as you because I was working with Emirates. I was an HR specialist with them. Now, for me to handle both, I thought would be impossible. Turns out, no, it wasn't because that work used to finish at 3.30 and my weekends were off. So after I finished at 3.30 in the afternoon, I used to rush to Gurukul because normally it's an evening thing on weekdays for most people. So I would be able to give time here and start learning the business of dance, so to speak. Because yes, I had always seen Paliji as my idol when it came to dance. But to be able to see it as how does one hold this whole thing together? So that there I was, you know, educating myself for a couple of years. I did that. And then I went on full on with it. And we, we, we set up the company together and we've taken it places from there. That's where it all started. 
Perfect. And we kind of talked a little bit about in your intro that, you know, you're the director of uh, Gurukul and you spearhead all the projects, but uh, just to expand on that, Somnadi, could you tell us a little bit about what are your roles and responsibilities there or what does a day in, for, in Gurukul look like for you? I'm very curious. Oh, it's... First of all, it's a day I look forward to every day because I love it so much. Mm. This is a career of choice for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could have been something else, been somewhere else, done something else. But this I chose because I wanted to do it from the bottom of my heart. Because yes, being Paliji's sister was a huge thing. I'd seen dance. But to see that I could do something about it and make it reach so many more people. And I was good at it. Gave mm. me the confidence. So then when I finally walked into it, I became the director. But initially, it was more so in terms of the admin part. Okay. Later on, I started getting deeply into the projects itself. I started doing um, workshops with Paliji, supporting her in that, doing the scripting for it, for the workshops itself, because and assisting her in wherever it was needed. And now I come to a stage that sometimes I actually anchor her shows and I'm, t- I'm the, like the sutradhar or the storyteller of her own shows. Mm. And uh, even sometimes I dance with them as well. I don't perform per se for an audience, but I know that I'm much better than what I was. And I, I dance from my heart. Mm. It's a self-expression. When I dance, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a temple. Hmm form of worship almost it comes out most beautifully now than it would have perhaps earlier on but yes i mean it's it's been so my role is that of a director yes okay looks after the company looks after the hiring i have never fired anyone so i can't say hiring and firing <laughs> so yes i look after the hiring okay the training that goes under paliji as well as through istd i make sure that all that is aligned mm-hmm. um and of course, when we have projects, which are whether it's with the Indian consulates or the embassies or um, with other schools, um, also with things like the India at 75 is like a new project for us. Um, any project, uh, that's something that comes under my wing. Um, and of course, um, uh, looking after day-to-day scheduling and stuff, just keeping an eye on it. Most mm-hmm. of the work is done by Bindia Mahesh. She does the admin and of course Janice Ruiz. Between the two of them, they manage the admin extremely well. Not to mention my team. My team is amazing is the word. There is no second to it. I honestly don't think I would be anywhere without them. So Paliji, of course, heads it artistically. And then I have Payal, I have Ritika, I have Dhanashree. All of them are fabulous. Absolutely mm. fabulous. So, so my role does get much easier um, to handle. Understood. And Sonali, just to understand, I understand you hire like Kathak teachers because I've had Payaldi on the show and I'll be able to get to that. But do you hire like people for your dance company as well or does everyone just come through Gurukul when it comes to like say people who perform for Gurukul? In I'm that sorry, sense. I didn't get that. Like, uh, like so you hire Kathak teachers and I understand that but do you hire dancers as well or are all dancers coming through Gurukul kind of thing? Most of it is through Gurukul itself but when we do cross genres okay people who are from other um, genres as well like bharatnatyam or um, any any other dance form when we do that we make sure that we have people from others so projects have involved other um, dance forms uh, and dancers from others um, other other fields as well yeah Understood. but if it's then we generally prefer our own having said that we have actually had some projects in 2008 and 9 where they were not ours because we were very very new at that time in dubai so we got teacher very extremely well trained dancers from uh, India mm-hmm. who were performing uh, for us uh, for months together for months together okay. and they would, uh, they would help us to um, bring the art form to the masses mm. at that time I must say uh, people like Shikha Khare and Sunil Lal and Mahesh Lal and so many Bharti Dang so many have contributed very good singers for the Kathak Juna, Samyullah, all of them came on board and helped us um, bring this to the audiences in um, Dubai, which was difficult because for them, Kathak and Kathakali were almost the same. Oh. And we're talking about 2006, 2007 and all the way to 2007. We decided, no, we need to tell them there is a difference. Both are beautiful, but they're very, very different. Yeah. So um, in that, um, you know, sort of um, frame, we had to make changes to the way people were thinking and absorbing it. And so it was really nice. Yes, we do take people from outside. Mm. But for Kathak, now at least we take people who are generally trained by Pali Ji, Pail and Ritika. Understood. And I have kind of explored it from Payaldi's side where she talked about what her audition was or like when she got promoted and things like that. 
So there's like a clip out in that, and like she goes into detail. But I wanted to know, Somnadi, like when you hire a Kathak teacher, because that's something very unique, you know, like in the sense of hiring a teacher, and you can only go to so many people to ask this question. One of them being you. So when you hire someone for for teaching Kathak to your students, what are you usually looking for, and what does that process look like in terms of interviewing them? um there are loads of parameters that we have to you know kind of um, uh, so most important is their own dance education mm. where and what have they learned and the level at which they are it's extremely important to us um is that learning also similar or structured in the way we teach Okay. Most importantly, it has to be in English because our audiences, our students, our clients are mostly English speaking. So we have to make sure that are English speaking, well educated in the field of dance teachers who have some experience of teaching before they come to us. Mm. Preferably, good experience of teaching, not any experience. Um, other than that, of course, this is the criteria which says this is what you need: academic qualification, as one would say. what do i need in a person is even more important mm. i need them to know that this is their home mm-hmm. gurukul is something that they will be joining not just as um, an employee but as a person who is going to be part of the gurukul family mm. and gurukul family needs commitment it gives you love and commitment it takes the same from you okay it's not like you come today and you find something else and you want to move on don't use it like a launch pad we right. make sure that we give them the best facilities so that they don't want to go out hmm. i've said that sometimes people because it's a uh, it's in dubai a lot of people use that as a launch pad hmm. we don't want that because in that i'm okay with it but my students get attached to the teachers hmm. so i want a commitment from them for a minimum of 2 years going up to 4 years makes sense so when we give you the um, the 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 importance of being part of our team you have to actually give that back as well that i want to be part of this team for at least 2 years most people want to stay on a lot more right said that yes people may have priorities so we look out for people who would be able to give us that time and that focus Hmm. that's an extreme also another thing that we look out for is that you have to be someone who's very patient okay yeah we have a student body who could be 5 years and we could have someone who's 65 years and you need an immense amount of patience you we don't have trained dancers who you are training hmm children who are you making into dancers and those that have crossed the line in terms of age up to a certain extent you have to retrain them you need a lot of impatience for that hmm. so patience commitment love for the art and love for gurukul and believe me we try to give that back in any way possible Hmm. So that's 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 an important part for um um for for anyone who wants to apply to us. That's pretty cool because like usually I like I summarize the answer, but you summarized it yourself. Patience, commitment, and love for the art. So that kind of makes my job easier. So thank <laughs> you for sharing that process. And uh, I guess um, yeah, in terms of one thing I wanted to know is like in terms of uh, commitment. Uh, I guess from an this is more of an HR question as well. Like when you're talking to someone face to face. how do you i guess you have a better feeling for this when you're talking to them how do you know they're going to stick around because you know it's one thing to have a conversation and say yes i'm going to stick around and you can look up the organization they yes. can be super enthusiastic in the interview or yada but how do you know like how do you know is my question i guess because you've been good at retaining people yes and i'll tell you from a very hr perspective on this yeah <laughs> so um my hr skills at emirates come in very handy in this because um there is this um, manner of interviewing people which is called behavioral questions so instead of saying i think this about myself or i know this about myself tell me a time when you did that and who did you do it with who was a person engaged with you whether it was a student or a teacher or a guru or an establishment tell me a time that helps me and being i'm in big in the field and being the age that i am i'm able to pick up honesty frankness and of course authenticity of the um, of the scene that they we can make out you know it's a very small world you know that kathak is a very small world you know what is going around right and if somebody is quoting something and this is what i did and this is what i did not do i think it's very easy to pick up on that but that can only happen if you ask them tell me a time rather than what you think of yourself i honestly think everybody well of themselves and that's good for them but it doesn't always hold as much water with the next person perhaps so yes behavioral questions help me to understand them better uh, references i don't do because i feel that sometimes 
people it's a matter of privacy for me having lived mm. in canada i feel that you should not call especially for these questions you know how were they how were they i mean the cv is there i can see the things that i understand they worked there unless it was false and i was missing out on in between the lines but i just feel that coming from this part of the world i i just feel that we shouldn't be asking these questions from any other employee because again it's an opinion of the other person as well isn't mm. it so yeah Yeah, yeah. I but only on the facts and figures not on the person's character or um, I see. more of like a background like okay yes. just everything yes. checks out makes sense yes. Yes. okay okay uh, the tell me about a time is actually kind of prevalent in like engineering interviews and things like yes, that as well wasn't it? yes wasn't it yes pretty much like to the point where you almost prep for things like you go back into your experience and you think about you know this is questions going to come up you know this is what you're going to get probed at so yeah that and believe is. me if it's a good assessor it's a good evaluator they will be able to pick up they will mm-hmm. be able to pick up is the person making it up or is it actually genuine okay okay so, um if you've been in the field you will know you will know you have to get back and yes maybe somebody can rehearse it and still you will be able to pick it up if mm-hmm. you i think the, i guess when i was saying rehearsal it's more like you look back into experience and you sound coherent while you're saying it because yes, yes. it's important for you to reflect and remember what you did and spit yes. it out at the right time at the right place because you could have that in your head if you, but you don't yes. bring it out at the right time in the way they want to that kind of counts against you you know pramit i actually tell people that yeah when i send them a letter that i'll be speaking to you and we'll have palaji on the panel as well yeah. and we'd like you to tell us a few things about you especially going down memory lane okay I honestly tell them what do i want from them oh, because i don't want to shock them i want them to bring out the best of their incidents and qualities i'm not here to shoot them down i'm here to pick on the good things hmm. so i honestly whenever i do do i tell them what am i going to be looking out for what will i tell them what will i ask them a little bit just a gist of it and then of course we can elaborate on it during an interview understood and kind of drawing another parallel because this is something i found very interesting about gurukul's fast early after short for quality as well so once you kind of figure out like say an employee so say like your teacher instructor hi is a good fit like what does the onboarding process look like so that they become like a teacher who's teaching like in the gurukul style or teaching their syllabus and curriculum like what does that process look like when you kind of bring them up to speed and you give them that curriculum and stuff like that very very curious about that stuff yeah that that's a long process it takes mm-hmm. anywhere between a few months to up to a year at least that makes sense Yes, because um, of course the, uh, the the protocol from the KHBA—that's mm. the uh, knowledge and uh, the board, as you call it, the education board of yeah. uh, Dubai—they have a lot of requirements which need to be met. Having said that, there is a lot more that is needed from Gurukul and ISTD as well. We need people to be able to follow the syllabus, and for that syllabus, Paliji has to train the person. Mm-hmm. right um yes you would have trained uh, people otherwise as well but the format that we follow that is the foundation followed by grade 1 2 3 4 5 6 going on to vocational four yes. level all of that has a has a system behind it has a purpose behind it first the person has to understand appreciate it if they don't then honestly it won't go anywhere from with us you have to understand that we need do it because we want it to be like this we don't want it to be like this <laughs> Yeah. So um, uh, we obviously um, hire people who are already trained to learn that system. Makes sense. So say for um, for example, Pail, Ritika, and even um, uh, Ma- we had um, two in India as well, Madhuri, Madhuri Patak, and um, we also had Amrit Mishra. So all of them were masters of Kathak from hmm. Madras University. Okay. So what they already had enough knowledge, but the knowledge had to be now aligned to Gurukul. Hmm. system as well as isd both so gurukul system is fairly simple it goes from a foundation to a beginner to an intermediate to an advanced to a vocation that's the gurukul system but to amalgamate it with isd we have to put in the other 7 plus 4 11 levels mm. now this has to be uh, you know trained this takes line we have the content which is very very important for us for people to follow there is a certain terminology which we prefer people to use also a very huge thing is the safe dancing practice uh-huh. um, that's yes. a huge thing for us because you know we want dancers to have longevity mm. shelf life should be a lot more than what it is so for that reason these things that have not been probably dwelt on we make sure that you know our um, instructors are able to deliver that Mm. And, um, and that comes in at the very beginning, the hiring stage. Mm. Are people able to absorb this? 
then are people able to appreciate it and then able to give it out. So that's the process and Paliji gets heavily involved in training them, especially for the higher levels. So that's, that's how it goes. In terms of like what you're seeing in students today, what do you think students need from their teachers or from their dance academies? What are they looking for? Um, there are two things to it. What were the students looking at before March 2020 is mm. different from what they look for now. Oh, okay. Go for it. Um, up until pre-COVID world, we were looking at people who were taking dance as a holistic dance education system, using it to bring themselves up as good, confident human beings. Okay. If you wanted to use that to leverage it, to make a profession out of it, for sure, that was fine. Achha. But now I feel mm-hmm. dance has become even more important. Hmm. You, are, you are inside your room. Like today, I'm inside my room and talking to you on this. Maybe a while ago, we may have been in a more sort of face-to-face environment. right? So now with people being trapped, they need to understand how important it has become to come out with your feelings, hmm. of your self-expression. Okay. And for that, dance has become imperative. Hmm. I know that maybe um, boxing is amazing. You can, you know, thaw your energy out and you can do all those things in your room as well. But how many other sports can you imagine a person being able to do in their own homes other than going on a treadmill? Not a whole lot. Whereas dance, you just put music and you have little space, push your dining table away and your sofa away and put something there, even on hmm. your phone, and you can dance to it. Mm. and you can relieve yourself of all the stresses so now it has become so much more and if it's, there's no structure to it i find that a little bit you know difficult to follow so mm. dance education has become more important because we tell you how to de-stress yourself we tell you how to express yourself this is the time when you need it even more so Somnati, what i wanted to ask you is about dance as an expression of yourself so i asked this as a beginner student i've been doing this for two years or something but like right now i'm doing practice to keep up and like to build that foundational satkar and hastak and all that how long does it take to get to a point where you can express yourself through dance like for me i feel like i'm doing the foundation i know I'm, i understand why i'm doing it but as you've seen your students when do when are you able to start expressing yourself and using those alphabets and building that expression how long does that take um see if it was it happens at the very beginning as well but to say completely to do that it's a very it's a it's, it's a journey hmm. you could be doing it as a 5 year old and pali ji does these amazing sessions with children where they do storytelling okay you know the story karari tales and panchtant story uh-huh. not to mention mary had a little lamb and you know just to do it express how would you if you were mary who was wearing something different and instead of a lamb if you had a dog say for example now the expression changes okay a little girl who has seen a puppy will be able to act like one and use dance to express herself and be happy about it okay this is about expressing yourself Hmm. But to have it in a disciplined manner is a completely different ballgame. To have a disciplined way of expressing yourself, my opinion, we need at least three years. Three years? Okay, sounds good. That's what you, know. you can express yourself at from the very beginning. Okay. But to have a nice format where you feel that you're following the rules and still being yourself. Mm-hmm. Three years of twice a week going to someone to learn. Mm-hmm. Guided, guided um, learning. Not mm. just that. You're not through YouTube's necessarily. Okay. More through someone telling you that this is the way to do it for you. Because each person is different. We all mm. react in a different way. So as useful as it is to be able to see others through YouTube, to learn from that may be a little difficult. It's good to inform yourself, but to be able to learn twice a week from someone who is equipped to do that for you mm. is finding the right guru, the right trainer is extremely important. And in three years, you can try that. Even at a young age of... Nine and ten years, girls are doing a fabulous job of it. Mm-hmm. Girls and boys. Okay, okay. I'll keep that in mind. And I guess Somnath, the next question, if I were to ask you to brag a little bit about yourself, uh, the reason I ask you is I think um, it's been so many like every, every time I meet someone from Gurukul and I told them like, hey, I was thinking of bringing Somnath on the podcast, and it's like, oh my god, you have to do this. She's amazing, and all that. There's this genuine excitement and enthusiasm, and they picture. It when I even say it. So I guess what my question to you is, Somnadi, what is it about you? You feel that makes people like love you so much, and there's so much enthusiasm when your name comes up. What do you think it is about you? Oh, <laughs> actually, I'm a little overwhelmed. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, but it's not surprising. You know it, right? 
yes i do get a lot of love and that uh-huh. has become um, such a huge thing in my life that sometimes i sacrifice my family time and my own personal um preferences of um you know to to be able to spend time with my students and my mm-hmm. teachers and my um colleagues from this field um i think it's about it's about the love of it and mm-hmm. being so much in love with indian art and culture almost obsessed with it mm. um i came out of india when i was 22 years old and um, the city of lucknow brought me up mm. you know um i was raised in an environment where everything was free you know my dance education was pretty much i think 15 rupees or 12 rupees per month my dad used to pay for my dance education and for um for stadium which was one of the better facilities in in the northern india again for badminton courts were free the te- the coaches were free till you had your own rackets and a good um uh, you know sort of set of um, kit to have with you uh, swimming was free so when you bring a, and of course not to mention everybody who spoke to you spoke to you in a manner that was very elegant and very um very respectful hmm so that and then of course it was artistic as well because you see the architecture of lucknow you see the embroidery of lucknow hmm. you see this food of lucknow everything had had art in it had culture in it okay so when you brought up in a place like this and then you take it away with you and go away hmm you just take all that with you all those people the entire city had invested in you and okay. you took it away and then when i was you know when we were in in dubai we thought you know what let's try and give back first within dubai hmm so i tried so within dubai we were able to and believe me for about 7 or 8 years we didn't make a penny out of it hmm our main intent was somehow manage to give back yeah in art and culture to the community who had given it to us hmm. and make it go beyond indian borders okay so we did that and then we decided to take it to india as well and say mm. you know what we've done it outside why not give it back to india now mm. give them a structured way of doing the same thing which we think is going to work with them as well mm. so i think it's more more about loving the indian art and culture and with that coming loving the indians and mm. then of course the indian subcontinent all the you know, sri lankans and pakistanis and and now it has become such a huge world that in vancouver i've come here and the first thing that i started looking out for was where can i set up my studio where i can take mm. this so it's my obsession for wanting to spread indian art and culture beyond indian borders right and in that the support that i get from everyone is so beautiful that it's like a huge cycle you know one feeds the other um but obviously it starts from from this madness called india <laughs> mm madness called india yeah i mean look at me i'm sitting in vancouver with my big earrings and mm-hmm. uh, why because i want to talk indian when i'm talking indian i'm doing stuff i want to feel i feel like an indian mm. I, feel, i want to look like an indian when i'm like that so i am a little um crazy <laughs> crazy yeah okay So I guess uh, Sonali yes I think you are from Vancouver so my Kathak teacher Tanvir based out of Toronto and I've noticed like Toronto itself has a pretty vibrant Kathak scene going on yes, there have a lot of stuff going on there and I guess since you talked about Dubai I wanted to know a little bit about the early days because I like since you're in Dubai I I assume you can't just start off with a bang in the sense of like promoting arts and stuff there you'd have to start out small and then build up so could you tell us a little bit about what the early days looked like how did you build that scene in Kathak and like establish that from scratch um paliji came from uh, london and where she had been running um pali peacocks um, for about 12 years okay. so she already came with a very you know sort of a good image and a good understanding of how to take it on mm-hmm. but dubai was a completely you know sort of a barren land when came to kathak yeah. there were a couple of people who were teaching but mostly out of their basements and that was it so when didi and i came and we were like we had to tell people the difference between kathakali and kathak it was like so difficult you know you had to say no it's not the green mask and the long hair although i really like that as well it's the one which has the skirt which flares up and you spin that's mm. how we started but then we had a few students who had been trained by paliji in england as well mansi mm. and these people came forward and they started helping us to propagate the same thing mm. by doing shows just mm. about everywhere possible the first one we did was in mall of the emirates okay so in the in the you know i mean 
in a place like Dubai, where people have some sort of, you know, sort of inhibition that is it okay to dance? I don't know if people like the idea or not. Here we were ready to dance in Dakta, that's the Dubai Theatre and Arts Community Centre and um, Mall of the Emirates. And we were willing to showcase it to anyone who wanted to see it. Mm. Yeah. So um, relating it to people, it started from there. Then we went into Global Village. And uh, we got, like I said, uh, I mentioned to you earlier on, we got uh, the team from India who was able to showcase. So to induct them into Kathak first was the first step. Mm. After that, we started teaching. We did start teaching the ones who were already there, but to start from the very beginning without them knowing the difference was difficult. Mm. So it took a while for us to educate them. And then, yeah, went on slowly. And then, of course, started doing the syllabus as well. Um, since um, we had the membership with ISTD, it was easier for us to um, take the examinations on. And uh, fortunately, about seven years ago, we became the most important uh, base out of um, uh, UK mm. uh, for, for Kathak. Um, and now we perhaps have the biggest numbers or number of students who pass out of um, um, with ICD um, with with anywhere in the world. So um, yes, it was a journey, but today we feel good about having started it. Hmm. And we started at malls and uh, DuckTac. I see. Yeah, congratulations on that. I guess one of the questions that comes from there, so Nadi, I guess you talked about seven to eight years not making a penny and just starting off by trying to you know, having some, trying to figure out the difference between Kathak and Kathakali and explaining that and malls. So what made you want to stick to it amongst all during those times? I think I'm very curious about that. What made you go on or helped you go on? Uh, for me, yeah. made me stick to it. Hmm. I knew that there was a person who had so much to give and was wanting to give it okay. back to the world. And if I did not make these paths for her. Yeah. She was not someone who would go out and tell, talk about herself or the dances. She could teach dance. She could tell dance stories. Mm -hmm. But she was not someone who was going to be taking it to people who did not understand as much. So I was that bridge to make it go forward. Okay. But that was it. Mostly it was because I knew there was this person who was absolutely fabulous, but just needed mm -hmm. some sort of a, you know, a board to launch it. Mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, the fact that I did want to do it myself because... Um, I was coming to an age where I felt like I want to do something more than just money. And though mm. I was working with Catherine earlier and then working with Emirates, um, my husband was doing very well as well. So it wasn't the, I did not need money out of it. I mm. needed satisfaction from my job. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm getting it, but I think this is not me. It's still me is something different. Some me is something more cultural. And that mm -hmm. worked well. So I eventually I left Emirates and went into this. So, yep. Okay, okay, and that kind of thanks. Yeah, so in the background, I think part of it kind of explained in a very pragmatic fashion in terms of like, hey, you didn't need the money and be, you know, kind of has passion for it. So it works out that way. So, Somnadi, one thing I wanted to get into is like, see the arts and funding council in Dubai now. So, like in the US, I kind of understand the good and bad part of it in the sense like you apply for a grant and like all the South Asian arts are, are unfortunately are kind of competing for the same pot. It's not like all dance is kind of evaluated on the same level. Um, I guess what I wanted to know in terms of uh, Dubai, in terms of arts and grants and stuff like that, how what what are the logistics? What what, what do you usually have to do get to get funding, and what have you found that works for you in terms of securing that? Um, we don't have any uh, body that funds it or uh, any grants as such. What works for us is if we are able to explain to the sponsors, as we call it, uh, the companies that sponsor it. So if we're able to take it to a level and package it in a way where they understand that they would like to support a cause like ours, then we are able to get some sort of a funding and they, they sponsor us and they help with, of course, the logistics are very, very expensive. So the sponsors take those on as well, uh, along with making sure that we do get uh, paid and which is what I insist on. I don't want our artists not to be paid. I mean, we do it when it is absolutely necessary for us to make sure that people are informed of what we are doing. Having said that, there are times it's not just about informing them. It's about making sure that the artist is paid. And that is where it becomes difficult to make that call sometimes. Should we do this? And at what level should we do it? How much is it going to cost my artist? All those things have to be measured out very carefully. So uh, that's there, but it's all through sponsorships, not through grants or um, no, or any, any, any other way of funding that one can think of. No. 
Okay, so then kind of bring, bringing it back to an HR question when you talk about sponsorships, sir, I think one thing that comes up a lot is when you're kind of reaching out to someone, you kind of answer the question, what's in it for me? There's like, there's an acronym for it as well. So when you try to, I guess when you build a relationship with the sponsor, when you reach out to them, uh, how do you figure out what they want and how do you try to add that value? I wanted to know how you build those relationships and get to that point where you have that relationship and you kind of have that exchange going on. Yeah, Dubai is a very small community, so mm-hmm. most people seem to know each other in some way or the other, or are linked in some way or the other to um, uh, to one another. Mm-hmm. So, if for example, if I was taking um, this um, the SNF, the Special Needs Foundation, right. right now, if they want to um, to raise funds, mm-hmm. so what they will do is they will contact um, someone like Paliji mm-hmm. uh, for the dance, and they will contact someone like Sonu Nigam, and then mm-hmm. we'll put the two together. And raise and sell an art piece and get money for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Atlantis will come on board because it's Paliji and Sonu Nigam. Mm-hmm. So we'll get that for free. Yeah? So these are things that you know when they know there's someone who is um, who is popular enough to get them visibility, mm-hmm. they will be able to do that. So it won't be just my students coming on stage and Atlantis will say we'll give you the venue. No, mm-hmm. it has to be something that is going to make them feel good. So they then Atlantis will say, oh, in so-and-so year or in so-and-so month, we did that with Sonu Nigam and Pali. Okay. So yes, they, that's how the sponsor, the barters come on board. Right. For paid um, ones, um, it could be anything they could be uh, looking at. They, everybody has a CSR budget as well. Right. So we tap into that budget and um, we try to see if, if it matches with their requirements what of the year are they looking at and of course we go with newspaper we uh, earlier of course newspaper was more prevalent than now it is and of mm-hmm. course nowadays with social media campaigns making sure that they get their due though honestly even the sponsors don't get much out of um, giving that support out anymore that used to earlier because most of it is anyways now the budgets have shrunk we have to understand it's a difficult time for everyone and uh, they are able to uh, you know even sustain themselves some of them are finding it difficult so we also have to be very careful for much less we are able to do more for them these days and that's what we look out for knowing that they have supported us and we try to do workshops with them we try to train their people sometimes give them uh, some sort of a yoga dance um, um, you know sort of um, experience and that's uh, that's how they get their due Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. Okay. So kind of just adapting with the times and, uh, and the CSR thing I wanted to know, like, is it uh, in general, like when you're looking at, com- I know that uh, like every company has a CSR, but how do you feel? Fi- are there ways to figure out like what, where the company is trying to purpose a CSR? Is it a question of like talking to the right people or usually that kind of things available on the website or news and things like that? How do you usually figure out what a company wants or how they want to spend their money? In Dubai, there are two ways. You have to see their track record, what mm. they've been doing in the past. If they've okay. done too much, they don't want to do now, right? Or if they're doing with one, maybe they want something different now, mm. right? Um, what is their inclination? What mm. is their profile? It's a good thing to know whether it matches like a pharmaceutical company or a bank may want to do it with you, mm. but with, with a singer. But maybe someone else may want to do, if they're into sports gear or something, they may mm. want to do it with you. So you have to see the profile it matches or not. Um, also, you know, like Nestle and people like that who are involved with um, children and their products would want to have themselves seen in a company or would want to leverage something oh. like that. So you have to be, you can't expect, um, uh, let's say, um, a printing company or, you know, to want to do something with Kathak. Okay. Uh, I mean, printing as an uh, equipment. Hmm. Right, uh, not not the service itself, but right, so right, right. it has to match at some level. At mm. some level, it has to match with what we do. Some level, not necessarily the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so we have to first look into whether it matches mm-hmm. and what have they done in the past, and uh, are do you think that they are doing? Are they doing it? Are they people who would be able? Do they have enough funds mm-hmm. which you can make out? You know, if you try to do a little survey, you'll be able to make out whether the company is doing well or not. It's right. there on the website as well. You can go and check it out for most part, mm. how the companies are doing. Okay. Instead of just going and knocking on a door and expecting them to give you an answer, best to do some research. Mm. Even they will feel good that you at least did your homework. Right. If you're doing your homework before you knock on their door, they'll feel if they're doing homework now, they'll definitely do more for me. So give oh. them the conviction that you will deliver. You will deliver. And I think a lot of people, if you think they can, they will. Even if mm. it is not as much as one expects, 
it's good enough. Sometimes having a support is better than none at all. Hmm. Yeah. Understood. And uh, to follow up on that, see, we talked about you know it being a, some sort of a fit, looking at the track record, looking at the website, and kind of using all of that to make a decision. Nothing I'm very curious about, Somnath, if you're comfortable asking, answering is that like with sponsorship, when kind of they're kind of invested financially, there's also like they, they would get a certain, certain, they were like, you naturally think that they get a certain amount of say as to how the show is done or what can be done, what can't be done. And as an organization, you'd want to kind of uphold your standards and things you don't and don't want to do. So I guess, have you ever run into situations where a sponsor wants something, but that's not in line with your values or mission? Of Gurukul, and if so, how do you handle those situations case by case? I guess. Yes, uh, it does come. You, I mean, everybody has expectations. That's right. To match them is not always possible, mm-hmm. and for that, you have to be very clear about mm-hmm. what you can do and what you can't do. Um, say, for example, um, very easy one is that when we do uh, performances, we make sure there's no food or beverage in the hall that distracts people it's disrespectful to the dancers um but on the other hand if it's a beverage company they definitely want their beverages to be circulated earlier right so we have to find a win-win mm. we have to say you can have your beverages you can have an area which is dedicated to people standing outside mm. and then when they come in they should not be having anything and once the performance is over let's do that so the sponsors understand that and when you stand up for yourself and when you show that you respect yourself respect you the sponsor will respect you as well Hmm. So um, laying down clearly, trying to understand where they're coming from, rather than saying, no, 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 whatever happens, <laughs> no, we cannot do this. Oh. Uh, you know. Also, let's say when we talk about the gradient, where the logos should be put and all that, you have to be very careful on how you approach the person. Hmm. Whether it's big or small, each company deserves respect. Right. So you should not say, okay, like, you know, oh, you sponsored more, so you'll be here. And you, you know, this is a very, very, very small thing, but it happens on almost every e-flyer. I where see. you place the logo. It's oh. a very sensitive issue for most people. I didn't know that. Okay. So to, uh, to find the right balance, you should first take, not commit to anything too much. Take the, you know, their input. Mm-hmm. Give it to them and empower them to make the decision. Okay. At the end of the day, you have to balance it off that, you know, it's it's matching with everything that you have promised everyone, but it shouldn't be that you have dictated terms. That mm. doesn't bring anyone any satisfaction. So being very, very careful on how you manage to um, meet their expectations within the given. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you for walking me through those two examples. That was really cool. Like, that really helped you understand. But, you know, sponsors like, you are very sensitive. But at the mm-hmm. same time, without them, honestly, we can't do anything. Right. I mean, nobody will say, let's say, um, uh, the stage and light and all that is so expensive today. Mm-hmm. And what, what does an artist want? They love the light. They love the stage. They mm-hmm. love the sound. You know, it makes their life, not just their day. Mm-hmm. To dance to a good audience. Okay. But for that, we need a sponsor. We can't be funding everything mm-hmm. at Yes, once in a while we can do that for annual shows. Okay. Can we do that always? No. Hmm. For that, we have to give them respect so that they are able to do that happily, willingly. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, hearing them out, putting you know, putting the expectations in perspective and mm-hmm. then moving forward. Understood. And so this is something I was thinking, I've been thinking about. Like I as I talk to a lot of about artists on the podcast like what do artists want one of the things i've been able to figure out is like what a lot of what artists want is like they want to dance pure kathak for like hours at a time and they want like the biggest audience possible to attend it this is what i've figured out at the crux is what like a lot of kathak artists want when yeah. trying to come down to the simplistic of it but um this is just a kind of observation i've had like they want to be dancing pure kathak they want to do it for a long time and they want to they want a huge audience to see it i guess i've kind of just had these observations here and there and mm. kind of distilling it down but for you somnadi like as you work on the ground level someone who's actually doing the work and interacting with artists like what do artists want i think an artist wants pure undiluted appreciation if they have done the job well hmm Okay. And it may be five people, or it may be 5,000 people. Mm. 
when somebody one person comes up and doesn't even say anything just cries because they're so happy mm. i think it makes the artist stay yeah. you know so um appreciation pure undiluted honest appreciation coming from an audience i think is what an with an artist wants and i can say that with conviction because nowadays a lot of people obviously are not being able to dance in front of a live audience <laughs> still have you know a lot of people have you know they do um um when you do um, an online show for example right mm-hmm. and you get a lot of comments and they're like very good and but the artist himself or herself knows it's not really true hmm. and there'll be one person who has done maybe nothing maybe a small one and they'll have five good comments which actually give you feedback on what you've actually done oh that makes you you know that the person has watched you everybody okay. you know sometimes people don't even watch the whole clip and they'll just put a comment amazing one yeah. they like and and all artists believe me as much as they may say every single time the artist would know whether is the number of likes or appreciations more important or the quality of that appreciation mm. so my experience they like quality experience and uh, the quality uh, feedback oh and that's what i try to do and i try to make sure that all my students do that they make sure that the person who's dancing has heard them and even if there's a feedback that needs to be kind of you know it's a developmental feedback say it maybe oh. after a good one but definitely say it in a nice way so that the person learns from that that this is what i perceived as an audience okay so okay. i guess uh, that would be a good thing for me to know songaji in the sense like what does good feedback look like i guess in the in the in in the online realm what does good feedback look like i guess what if i had to put if if i was asked that question it would be like it would be like uh, it would be something specific like at this time stamp you were doing this thing is really related with me or this and that so that if it's specific it's something something that you point out if it's if you've noticed some i've noticed that people artists really like when you notice something that they did which was kind of a secret or which wasn't a huge part of it but they kind of put that in and people notice it so observe being observant is one part but yes i guess um, how i guess as an audience member myself how what are the things i should keep in mind to give good feedback to artists if i had to do that or if i wanted to do that um the choice of the 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 composition or item as one would say mm. using it should be the right one it should be something that the audience is able to relate to you mm. can't be talking in sanskrit and the people understand when people are actually looking forward to french right so it has to be language they understand which means a choice of item or composition is extremely important mm. um so if i was to give feedback to someone and they've chosen the wrong thing completely mm. i would say you know this was beautiful yeah and i loved everything about it or i liked this about it or like that about it but i wish i could have seen that as well mm. instead of saying i don't want to see this i would say i would like to see that as well oh you know, so the person yeah. doesn't feel belittled because you know end of the day you're a performer mm. maybe you've been asked to do that right so you did what you did okay but saying it in a way where does it doesn't hurt their sensibilities but mm. be able to say that you know you could have put in a little bit more this side or it would have made me see you in a better light acha yeah or for example if it's the makeup and jewelry or whatever and it's like not suitable at all so yes uh, saying it in the right way is extremely important because you know you're wearing so much and it's like flying all over the place and you know it doesn't make sense sometimes you know so appropriate um, uh costume and jewelry uh, is something that one can give feedback without hurting anyone's sensibilities again um i would personally never want to talk about the type of you know the the way one dances because you know it's a very different each gharana mm. each guru because that would reflect on the person and his or her training Oh, then it makes it personal. Yeah, my understanding of it is different from maybe your understanding. Mm. Who am I to say that this should have been like this or that should have been like this? I did not like the sense of this, and I didn't like this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, okay. if it's offbeat or something, then you can definitely, you know, at some point say, you know, but maybe we can improve on the rhythm pattern here and there. But never, I would never critique or give feedback on something that is um, a style. 
I would never Achha. do it. Okay. Would, because even if it is very different from mine, I don't even, say for example, I don't even like a certain something. Yeah. yeah. I don't like a certain movie. It doesn't go with me. Mm-hmm. I, would say, I should know not to say that because that's not going to help the person to change. Not at all. Yeah. Maybe mm. you can add something more and teach yeah. them like to come and learn from us. Yeah. You know, something like that. But not, not drink because dance is, it's, it's worship. It takes years and years of work. So, no. It's years and years of work. Okay. So, yeah. Makes sense. So you said, uh, talked about like the piece, you talked about the costume and not and not so much to comment on style, which makes sense. Of course, sense. a technical rider, you can always talk about the tech rider if it's not good. That's what, what's the tech part. rider? You mean the stage, light, sound system. Oh. Um, all of that, that, that you can talk about. And if, the, if it's not good, it's very easy to give feedback that, yes, Bitter, you've done this, but most important was that the floor that you were on dancing on should have been appropriate so we could have heard your footwork. Right. Yeah, the lights were too bright. I couldn't get good, you know, or it was too low or, you know, the sound system should have been checked a little bit better. Mm. Yeah. Things like that are much easier to give feedback on. But, and that does not, and that is very important. If you ask me, it's very, very, if you do everything and you're not seen or not heard, how does it, you know? Yes. How, uh, those are easier to give feedback, but yeah, yeah like, it's very difficult to give, you know, it, it's not an assessment. It's a performance. If it's an assessment, then yes, you can. Yeah, I think so. Like a couple of weeks ago, one of my episodes that released, uh, my in my mic input was on the wrong things. So I was speaking into this, but the audio was on my laptop camera. So okay. my guest was trying to tell me that the audio isn't great, but I kind of, uh, I, I thought I fixed it, but I hadn't. When I listened to it, I realized what she was hearing and she was just being very sweet. So I actually had to go back and re like, you know, voice over all my parts. And I realized I should just listen to people from the start as to what they're trying to say. So... Mm. Uh, so yeah that, so that's always good to like get those things early on so you don't have to like fix it in post or like listen to it when people are telling you something but yeah it's um, a learning process from mm-hmm. it nothing nothing it's just evolving with time and oh for sure for sure and um so Nadi, i guess next question i guess is in uh, uh, talking about Gurukul India, because we talked about Dubai setting it up and all that. Uh, yeah, I guess just want to learn about a little bit about Gurukul India, how, how you started it, what's how things are going there, what are the students like there, how is it different? Just to just to really start off things into Gurukul India. We started in 2018 and uh-huh. it's been very difficult because, you know, by the time we came to a stage where we thought that we will be able to, you know, sustain it and we'll be able to do more with it. COVID yeah. And now with, I mean, with all the um, you know, the legalities involved in terms of face-to-face interaction. Right. We're not able to do that, so we're running the whole thing from Dubai now. Mm-hmm. It's all online. It's all e-platforms at the moment. We're trying our best to make sure that we provide a face-to-face interaction very soon. Yeah. But it's been almost a year and uh, eight months. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not a very happy scenario at the moment, and that a lot of people have left because of that reason. Yeah would like to but we are not willing to take the chance i'm sorry but that's how it is it's only in bangalore anyways yeah and um, they're very strict in bangalore very mm. very strict in bangalore a lot sure. of times we're locked down even one person gets um, you know infected because of us mm. or is damaged more than just the infection you would not be able to justify it to anyone okay so, so we're taking it very very easy at the moment making sure that we you know give them whatever we can but only through e- e-platforms right Once we know that it's completely safe even if the government says it's okay to do it, we'll only do it when we actually see people wanting to do it and we are assured because mm-hmm. we have to answer back to uh, a lot of people in Dubai as well as uh, the board. Okay. So, yeah, at the moment, uh, we're taking it very easy. We did start very well. It was going extremely well. Yeah. But we had to um, pull pull in a little bit. And so, Nadi, I guess I'm very curious. Like, every struggle is different. But for you, like, the struggles of, like, getting Gurukul Dubai, I'm not Gurukul Bangalore. Is it easier now, now that you've kind of established Gurukul Dubai or it's like a totally different thing? Like, are you able to go back to those memories and said, I did that so I can do this or what's it like for you? Definitely much, much easier. I mean, we're trying not to make the same mistakes to start with, um, do more groundwork before we actually launch anything. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, those are things that are helping us a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like I said, this is a different environment. We will mm-hmm. have to uh, change the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. And those rules will depend on, um, of course, the legalities that are need to be observed in a particular place. Of course, that's yeah. there. But safety has become a huge thing. So, um, yes, uh, mm. it's, it's a little different. We'll have to hold back and wait to make any 
decisions of launching anything new at the moment. Sustainability okay. is the most important thing, making sure that we all sustain and we all make sure that all our teachers and all our people are getting paid properly so that they're able to sustain through this as well. Mm -hmm. Students are learning throughout so they can come back to full-on dancing like how they were, even if they are restricted at home otherwise. Some right. of them can come and some still can't come because they have seniors at home. I see. So uh, for that reason, sometimes we have to make sure that we still have the amalgamated way of teaching. Okay. So, um, lots of changes to be made um, and nothing new at the moment okay. I would launch. I would like to wait okay watch and then go on hmm okay so one like this this is a question i've already asked before previously so like this is because it's something i always wondered since you'd have branches in dubai bangalore zurich i always wondered like if they if you have one whatsapp group with everyone there hanging out and like all the students together just like doing but turns out there's not but something i asked you so it's a question i just asked before but um coming to the bangalore bangalore is a very interesting thing because like if you look at the people who constitute bangalore it's a very transitional market in the sense like people coming and going coming in for jobs plus um it's not the same as same i i guess mumbai where you kind of throw a stone and you hit a dance academy but similar to that there, there's a lot of competition compared to yes. dubai like dubai you kind of were pretty much the only people in the game Yes. Bangalore, a very different scene. You have a lot of academies established for years and things like that. So factoring in that competition, does that change the way you kind of establish Gurukul Bangalore? You're not worried about that. How do you kind of view competition? In, and the competition would be Kathak schools and dance schools and other distracting activities. Not distracting, but other activities people don't take on as well. But just curious about your thoughts on competition, Bangalore. Yeah, I mean, we were very lucky to have a lot of support from the local um, dance companies. Mm -hmm. Like Nat STEM Dance Company, uh, Madhu um, is the person who is um, the director and mm -hmm. the artistic um, influence there. She is the daughter of Dr. Maya Rao. And the oh. company has been there. That's Nat STEM Dance Company. It's been there for almost half a decade now, mm -hmm. more than 40 years now. So they were not just competition. They were, they were not competition at all, but they were supporting us. They helped us launch the company. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine them actually being there to help us launch the company? That's really sweet. Okay. Similarly, we have other companies as well there. Mm -hmm. But Bangalore being very difficult in terms of traffic, everybody's localized in their own areas. So a lot of times, you know, somebody who cannot learn from Madhu and Nat, Madhu will say, why don't you go to uh, Gurukul? You know, that would be closer to you. And maybe whatever you need, something exceptional, I can help you here. That's and that's what we do with them as well. Hmm. And similarly, there's another company, Abhinav Dance Company. Um, they're, they're people who are willing to uh, to extend themselves to make sure that the learning goes on. Okay. So we don't have that kind of environment in Bangalore where, you know, one is pulling the others, um, you know, uh, down. It's actually helping the other to elevate. And that's a good thing because when we do that, we'll all go up. Hmm. We all go up. And I find that that's, that's there in Bangalore for sure. Maybe because they're not that many, but whoever is there is very strong and very good and very ethical. So at least these two dance companies, especially not, um, I find that they're very, very ethical and uh, I enjoy the interaction and I enjoy the learning with them hmm. and for them. Understood. And uh, okay. So I, I guess what it essentially stems down for me from what I understand is what you call an abundance mentality, right? When you think things are abundant, you don't worry so much about getting students, getting opportunities first. Like there's enough for enough students who want to learn it. There's enough people there. And so then you don't have to worry about kind of. It's not that, Pramit. It's also no? the attitude, I think. Mm. It's that you could have 50 and you will work 500. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because in your own studio, you want to create another three, four studios and five more teachers and make sure that they are doing that for you. Right? That's how most people are. I think Bangalore is different that way. Bangalore is um, Bangalore is very deep rooted and very cultural. And I find them to be very elegant in the way they have um, helped me. Um, mm. to, and I mean, when I say Bangalore, I mean, everyone there has really been quite um, welcoming. Quite okay. Well. Yeah, I must say that was good. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. have any other experience of any other place in India. Mm -hmm. so Bangalore was good. Just that, yes, it didn't come off very well because of COVID. So, mm -hmm. so I guess, Somnadi, yeah, looks like we finished all our topics. We've had a blast doing this. So coming to my final question, Somnadi, how do you feel about the future of Gurukul? I think it's very bright and it's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. We have an amazing student body. And the leadership with Paliji's artistic influence and my passion for it 
and uh, administrative intellect coming from Bindya, support from the entire faculty led by Payal, and Ritika, of course, there, Dhanashri, there, all of them are so good that I feel that sky is the limit. Mm. Um, I see ourselves, you know, opening branches with our students like Methli and Swar and so many more, Avni and um, Suranya. They're all over the place. Suranya is in Australia and Avni is in Toronto and uh, Swar is in Dubai and uh, Methli is in New York. And I mean, I can see them wanting to do something. Mm. and wanting to spread the wings of Gurukul. And I think even if they don't use the banner of Gurukul, they will always be Gurukulites at heart. Mm. And so the culture will spread with them. The culture of Gurukul will spread with them. And having said that, we would try to open more and more branches, keeping quality at the core of it. If we can deliver it with quality is when we will open, otherwise we won't. And that is why I'm here to see if I can do something about it, because this is one part of the world we have not explored at all. Mm. And uh, let's see, maybe um, North America it is now. <laughs> that is the Pacific side. It's time, yeah. It's high time. <laughs> but uh... It's something that I look forward to, and I'm pretty sure it will go um, well. It'll go well. Awesome. Yes, I think um I yeah, I think that's one person I didn't talk about. So Rania was one like it was an interview that kind of just blew me away in mm. terms of when I spoke to her and I realized like the depth of you know things she goes into. But uh, yeah, Somnadi, I think with that. I bring this episode to a close. I've been look, uh, I've been always picturing when I talk to you, what are the things I talk to you about? And it's been fun kind of discussing everything that was going through my head. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It was lovely speaking to you. And thank you for having me today. And um, let's hope we keep in touch otherwise as well, beyond the podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. And maybe meet face to face as well. Yep, for sure. For sure. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Mm -hmm.